Hello everyone, my name is Jared Altick and I'm a chaplain with the police department. The Hey Chaplain podcast brings you stories and wisdom about life and law enforcement, giving support and encouragement to those who wear the badge. Today, we're talking about the difficult subject of money. A key component of officer wellness is financial wellness. But many officers find themselves stuck in the overtime cycle, working an unholy number of hours just to stay afloat, just to pay the monthly bills. Financial stress leads to a host of other problems, which can then snowball out of control, leading to all kinds of pain and heartache. Today, we're talking to Nick Darty, the president and owner of Financial Cop. Nick has taught thousands of cops and first responders how to get out of debt and attain financial freedom. And today, I'm asking him for his top three money moves for law enforcement officers. Here's Nick Darty. Hello, Nick. How are you today? Doing well. Thank you for having me today. Well, I'm glad to be able to talk to you. I'm glad to be able to uh, discuss these things. Everybody worries about money, but a lot of times we just kind of ignore the problem and hope it'll go away. And uh, I'm eager to, to learn a few things from you today. Can we start out talking about your background? Yep. So I became a cop in 2003. That's kind of the part of the story to my uh, my background in money. Uh, obviously, as a, as a rookie cop, um, I, I had come into law enforcement and done a lot of stupid stuff with money, which qualified me as a rookie. <laughs> yes. um, I had uh, managed managed to amass a debt load of $80,000 in debt. Oh, no. 21000 that was tied up in one car stereo system. Yes, one car. Oh, my. Uh, and so... It's just the stereo, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, just, yeah, just the stereo. Oh, no. Uh, started working overtime because I discovered that as a cop, you can work a crap load of overtime. And I yeah, yeah. uh, ended up uh, digging myself into a hole of uh, being stuck in the overtime cycle where if I didn't work my overtime, I didn't pay my bills. Mm. Uh, so throughout my career, that, that kind of motivated me on the money front. So ended up becoming a school resource officer at an alternative campus for a few years before I promoted to sergeant in 2009. And uh, finished out my career as a patrol sergeant and a CID sergeant before I gave up my sergeant stripes in 2017 and still serve as a reserve officer for my home agency, the Grand Prairie Police Department, and uh, 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 still serving in that capacity. And that's in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Excellent. All right. So what are your top three money moves for law enforcement officers? Just starting out, what what are like the top three things that they can and should do? So the first thing when it comes to money is you've got to understand if you're having issues with it, like I was, what your rock bottom is. You know, I talk mm-hmm. about being $80,000 in debt and, and my bottom was when I came home after work one day, it was about midnight, I was exhausted and I wasn't exhausted because I worked patrol all day. I was exhausted because I worked my five hours of overtime before I even started the day and I knew I had to go do it again the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of scary in our industry because it's not a matter of if it's when you get injured and when you're injured, you can't work any off duty jobs. Yeah. And I was very fortunate had a beat officer that was my beat partner is a 20 year vet that became one of my best friends and uh, was introduced to the Dave Ramsey platform. And I actually used the Dave Ramsey platform to pay off all $80,000 in debt in about 24 months. Oh, wow. And that's kind of what started kind of what started my path was I became the, 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 the Dave nerd at Grand Prairie PD and, Fast forward to 2011, we got a new chief named Steve Dye, and he said, hey, I want you to start teaching our recruits about this. And 
Next thing you know, it was Teach the Whole Department, and we now teach. Uh, we're the largest financial wellness training group in the country, having taught over fifteen thousand cops from over two thousand agencies. And so, you got to hit that rock bottom. Yeah. And when it came to hitting rock bottom and starting to teach myself about what we need to do, the number one money move that someone should make is the number one thing we hate to do the most, and that's the dreaded B word, aka the budget. Hmm. It doesn't really matter what you do financially. I don't care if you're making hundreds of thousand dollars a year or you're making $20,000 a year. You can't start to win with money unless you understand what's coming in and going out. And it's called an every dollar budget. And I don't call budgets budgets anymore for my first responders, especially especially my cops. I call it a SWAT raid. And if you think about a SWAT team, before they go do that SWAT raid, they do an operations plan for what they think is going to happen. Every second of that SWAT raid is planned out to the T. Where are we going? What's my stack order? Who's breaching? But the most important thing that that SWAT team does is not the raid itself. It's when they get back to the station, they debrief. They do an after-action plan. Did everything we think was going to happen go according to plan, or do we need to change things? And that's what an every-dollar budget is, is tracking those, those dollars as they come in versus when they go out. Yeah. So hands down, number one, budget. Yeah, you track the things you care about. And so if you say yeah. you care about it, but you don't actually put numbers to it, if you're not actually tracking it as it comes and goes, then then you don't really care about it. You're just giving it lip service. And so that's true. I mean, that's leadership across the board. I mean, anything, uh, if, if we're not tracking it as a department, then we must not actually care about it. And And that's true in our financial lives, too. And we've gotten so complacent in our world. I mean, back in the day, it was a lot easier to budget because most of us wrote checks. Right. And when you wrote checks, you had to do this funny thing called balance your checkbook every couple of weeks. And now (laughs) we don't have to do that. We just pick up our phone and check the balance. And if we're married, pray and hope our spouse isn't doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and how do you how do you feel about uh, as far as budgeting, having things get paid automatically? We do a lot of stuff today where things are automatically deposited and automatically you have automatic bill payments. Is that good yep. or bad? Are you indifferent on that? Automatic payments are good, but I'm indifferent because they can be bad. Yeah. And yeah. the reason they're good is because they're taken care of automatically. The bad thing is is that if we're not still tracking that, bingo. Sometimes that can get us in trouble, Yeah. Um, especially for my married couples. I mean, if, if you're married and something's automatic, if you and your spouse are still not on the same page with money and they decide to go do something that you didn't talk about and that automatic payment comes in, mm-hmm. you don't have that buffer, that's where you start to run into problems. And that's really a good segue into the number two topic, which okay. is savings. Okay. Um, we you, Budgeting is important, but... We also need to make sure that we have some savings in place for when it rains because it's going to rain. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the biggest issues in this country. 66% of Americans right now don't have $1,000 in the bank. Oh, and wow. yeah. the scary thing the scary thing is is that 8 out of 10 of us are going to experience a $5,000 whoopsie every 10 years. Yeah. Something's going to happen. Kids going to get hurt, you know, cars going to break down, water heaters going to going to go out. Right. And because we don't have that savings in place, 
it creates a huge crisis, which leads us to more issues because now we get stuck even further into that overtime cycle or worse yet, going into debt. Yeah, the savings is a margin. And and I, I really push, not just with finances, but with every area of our lives, that, that we should be planning to have margin built in. If, if it takes you 10 minutes to get to work, you can't walk out your door at 10 minutes till. You know, you, you, you need to have some margin there because what if there's a red light? What if there's a car problem? What if there's anything? Yep. You got to have some margin built in. And a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough margin, uh, whether it's time or money or whatever it is. And then that leads to stress because once one thing fails, then that creates kind of a domino effect. And you end up having this whole problem snowball where there's multiple things affected because you didn't give yourself enough money or enough time or enough yep. margin uh, in advance. And and a little bit of discipline up front could have saved a lot of headache later. Yep. It, it, it's that whole – the margin's a great analogy because what we do financially is most of us don't give ourselves margin. And when that margin doesn't doesn't hit right, you don't hit every green light, you hit those red lights or there's an accident that causes you to be delayed, we end up going to what most Americans rely on to save them in that financial emergency, and that's credit cards. Yeah. And it's really kind of a scary concept because we're relying on a credit card company to save us from an emergency while paying them on average, 20% a year. Yeah. And it's, we work too hard for our money to give it away. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your third uh, money move? Absolutely critical. Got to do this. You had a a budget, you had savings. What's your third one? Debt, debt, and debt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Debt is, it it, it robs you of your hardest earned thing that you do, which is your income. It's your income is you work hard to, to, to make money, but it's also your biggest wealth building tool. And uh, getting, uh, uh, Chris Hogan, uh, had a quote that just really sunk in with me one day. He said, when you start to realize that paying interest is a penalty and earning it's a reward, that's a game changer. Yeah. And we get so tied into the debt cycle of things that we forget to realize that there's a reason why when you walk into a bank, they have nicer furniture than we do. <laughs> it's because we give them all of our money. Yeah. And I saw, saw a study not too long ago that said the average American will spend roughly $285,000 in interest payments through the course of their life. Oh my. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, that's like last year, this country wasted $140 billion just on interest to credit cards. And so we've got to recognize that debt is one of the biggest things that is holding us back. And so we've got to establish, one, are we responsible enough to use debt? Because I do believe there is a responsible way to use credit cards, but that requires a lot of discipline and it requires some pain in the beginning. It was very, very important for me in my life to go through about a five-year period where I had no credit cards because that taught me the discipline of using cash for everything. And then building up the ability to use a credit card as a tool not as a mechanism to gain and get things. And so that really rounds out the top three issues that I see in law enforcement the most, which is budgeting, savings, and debt. Yeah, when we do such a terrible job with with credit cards, we are easily fooled into, you know, well, here's some little perk or benefit. You're getting airline miles or, or some other little thing. And we are willing to pay that penalty, the interest, and and often do because we're rarely disciplined enough to pay that pay that credit card off every month like we should, and so we're 
paying more money out in those interest penalties than we ever are getting back in those rewards. I mean, yep. almost all the time. We we think that we're benefiting, you know, but but if we actually put it out on a budget, you know, we'd see that okay, at the end of the year, I spent way more money on interest than I got back yep. in benefits, and so yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, in my four-hour class that we teach, we do an in-depth analysis on how credit cards and how debt is marketed to us because it is one of the most marketed entities in the world Mm -hmm. to us. Yeah. Um, And and, and I go back to, you know, two things I've studied extensively since getting involved in this movement. One is debt. How is it marketed? How do we pay it off? How do we start to win with that stuff? And the other thing I've spent a lot of time studying is millionaires. And the, the perception out there of millionaires is really not the perception that is true. Uh, you know, uh, there was a survey that came out for the Forbes 400 a couple years ago, and just for informational purposes, the Forbes 400. This is this is the 400 richest people in the country, right? And you had to have a net worth of 3.8 billion dollars to be on this list. Oh, wow. And they were asked, they they were asked, what's the number one path to becoming wealthy in America? 75 percent of the Forbes 400 said, if you want to become wealthy in America, the number one way to accomplish that is by becoming and staying debt free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be paying to use other people's money and ever get ahead. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I I talk to cops all the time about dreams and things, and I got told when when I left my my position as a sergeant, I'm, I got told I was crazy because why you're giving up a government job, and now you got to wait twenty <laughs> something years for your pension. Why would you do that? And I had a dream to help my brothers and sisters with this, but above all else, I was able to realize that dream because we had no debt. Yeah. I mean, in a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate 15 years of marriage between me and Carrie, and it's been 15 years since we've had a car payment, a credit card balance, and not having that debt is what afforded us the ability to take that chance. In in our industry right now, I mean, we're we're losing cops like crazy. It's it's really a kind of a scary time for us in this industry, and I talk to cops all the time when it comes to retirement planning. And I hear them say, well, I really want to do X, Y, Z, or I'd like to start this kind of a company. And oftentimes it comes down to they don't have the ability to do it, not because they don't have the drive, not because they don't have the passion to do it. They just can't afford to not make an X amount of money because right. of their debt payments. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, I mean, we, we worry about cops that are leaving, but there's also cops that are staying and cops that are taking uh, promotions that maybe they shouldn't take because they're so far underwater, they, they can't afford to not be making the maximum amount that they can be making right now. They could have retired. They could have started their next chapter in life and, and fulfilled that dream of doing whatever it is they want to do, but they can't do it. It's on hold, and it may never happen because they are in so much debt. And uh, that really controls their decision-making. I'll tell you a quick story about my overtime. And so in my first year of law enforcement, I worked no overtime because I was in the academy and I had field training after that. Uh, The next two years, I worked over a thousand hours of overtime to pay off all my consumer debt. Mm -hmm. And at Grand Prairie PD, we get to work virtually unlimited overtime due to a city-funded program. Uh, so a little plug, if you, any of you guys out there looking for a good lateral department, Grand Prairie PD, <laughs> unlimited overtime. <laughs> you throw that in there. So I worked a thousand hours of overtime the first two years of my career after the academy. Uh, years four through nine, I worked an additional 3,500 hours of overtime. You know, people ask me all the time, why did you keep working overtime? Well, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I like to work. My wife was working during the day. So I might as well go in and do something. And one, one year, our city misfunded the internal overtime program and all of us top overtime earners got told you can only work five hours of overtime per pay period till October. And it was June. 
Mm. And I remember looking in that room and there were men and women that looked like ghosts. Yeah. And oh, when yeah. my chief called me in, he says, Nick, you're going to be okay. And I said, sir, with all due respect, thank you for the vacation. And he looked at me, he goes, what? I mean, you can imagine that wasn't the conversation yeah, yeah. we've been having all day. <laughs> and I explained to him, you know how all those vacations we go on? That That's what overtime pays for. Our down payment for a house, that was overtime. And I look back and I worked 4,500 hours of overtime before my ninth year in law enforcement. And then on November 1st, 2011, I quit working overtime cold turkey. I never signed up for another part-time job for the last five years of my career. Yeah. Why? Because my kid was born. And that was my, that was my commitment to my wife is the minute Zach was born, I was done. We could have paid our house off. We could have done all kinds of fun things, but that's what overtime should be used for. It should be used to elevate your, or to build your financial strength, not elevate your standard of living. You should be able to quit working overtime cold turkey and it not affect your ability to, to, to live the lifestyle you want to live. Right, just to pay the bills. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, there should be, with anything, the freedom to have balance. Uh, you shouldn't be trapped into, I must take every hour of overtime that I can possibly take or that I'm allowed yeah. to take. Uh, you should be free to be like, hey, I'm going to work some overtime because we're going to do a special vacation next year or whatever. Uh, or I'm going to not do it because right now I need to spend extra time with my kids or with my wife or, or whatever yeah. the situation may be. Yeah. 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 So uh, what I think I worry about is young police officers. I, I focus as a chaplain. I'm, I'm primarily in patrol. And so those are the officers I see. There's always a new bunch coming in out of the academy. And a lot of them are very young. And so they're early to mid-20s. And this might be their very first regular job. I mean, maybe they've worked a little here and there, but but this is like their first real paycheck. And it's by you know, sometimes an order of magnitude, the biggest paycheck they've ever had. And, and I just am imagining their mailbox full of all these credit card applications. And, and because so, they're making so much money, they're eligible to take out more debt. And I, I worry that that's there. I wish I could, you know, I'd probably violate all kinds of federal law, but, but I wish I'd get into their mailbox and throw out all the credit card applications <laughs> so they'd never even have to see them, you know. Welcome to the number one problem I see in law enforcement with our recruits. And so in Texas right now, uh, we're going through a, a second cycle where all 1,200 chiefs are required to go through our training. Uh, and we've kind of adjusted a little bit to imp uh, focus on some of the aspects of building financial wellness in a department. But one of the things I talk about, you know, my personal story, before I became a cop, I was I, I was in sales. I was making in 1999 $48,000 a year plus commission. Hmm. And so I was making a crap load of money. And what happens when you hand a kid $48,000 a year that didn't have a whole lot of money before that? Yeah. We do stupid stuff with, with, with money. And that's why I bought a $21,000 car stereo system because I was making more money than you can imagine. <laughs> and we do the same thing in law enforcement. We take yeah. these 22, 23 year old kids, we hire them, we pay them more money than they've ever made in their entire life. And we wonder why the first thing they do is go buy the souped up truck and have yes. a $600 car payment for the next five years. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then on top of that, if they're married, we don't do a good job of preparing their spouses for that income growth. Then we give them access to unlimited overtime and it's a recipe for disaster. I think our recruits actually lead uh, a lot towards our divorce rate in law enforcement because we don't prepare the spouses, right. but then we make them lottery winners and we know what happens to most lottery winners. They're yep. broke. Yeah. Uh, I really want officers to get this kind of training, to get this information, to, to start down a different path than what they've been on. How do, how do people find you online? 
So we have our website. we got financialcop.com where it's got all kinds of information, not only about the, the initiatives that we teach. There's a lot of uh, kind of uh, sub-lessons in there. Um, we do go all across the country teaching our four-hour class in person, but we also have our virtual Financial Cop Academy as well where anybody that goes through that gets access to the, the training for a full 12 months so they can repeat it as much as they want to. And when you go to financialcop.com, if you click on the financial wellness tab, it'll tell you more about the online class as well as about uh, in-person classes. Is this something you can do on your own or does your department have to get on board? No, I have some departments that are, are, are bringing us out to teach the whole department. Some of them are doing the virtual academy for the whole department, but it, there's a, a, an access within the website where if you just want to go through the training on your own, you have that ability to do so as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. And this would be true if if the person listening today is like the spouse of a law enforcement officer. Um, you, do you have to be a cop yourself to, to take advantage of financial cop? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, it, 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 the, the training is geared towards first responders. Okay. Uh, so cops, firefighters, all of them in that sense. Uh, but the principles are, are, are their core principles to everything. Uh, you know, what we did is we took a lot of the financial gurus out there and I always joke around because I'm a cop and say, we copified this stuff. That's why we <laughs> teach the budget like a SWAT raid. Right. Um, and so it, 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 the information correlates no matter what profession you're in, but obviously it's geared towards first responders. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you, Nick. This is, this is really good stuff. I, I really hope people take this to heart, track you down online and take your course. I, I really think this is important stuff. Uh, it will save marriages. It'll save careers. It'll make people happier. I, I just really, really want people to take advantage of this. Uh, always an honor to talk about this stuff. It's, it really has become our life passion to help our brothers and sisters with this topic. Fantastic. Thank you so much. If you haven't done it already, you need to take a financial class. And Financial Cop is the real deal. Nick teaches information we need to avoid debt, avoid divorce, and avoid disaster. Because a financially vulnerable police force is a police force that's open to corruption. So training cops and their families how to safely manage their money is critical to the mission of law enforcement. I'm so pleased with the response that I've gotten to the Hey Chaplain podcast, but I know that there's something else that you could still do that would really help me out. If you would, please give a five-star review on platforms like Apple Podcasts. Your five-star review will get the algorithm to put the podcast in front of more listeners. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, and Podchaser are all platforms that allow you to leave a review and a rating. So please, Go leave a few kind words and a five-star review and help out Hey Chaplin today. And of course, if you like what you heard here, please share this episode with a cop or someone who loves a cop. On the next episode of Hey Chaplin. That was over a year and a half yeah. so that I wasn't just totally exhausted every time I turned around. And the thing about it was, is that when I actually started recovering from it, even my wife went, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know how to help you. She's in the medical profession herself. And she was just like, now that I see it, now I actually understand a little bit more when people are talking about what that compassion fatigue is, because it was such a subtleness and we get wrapped up into it that we just think, I'll take this and, and I'll get better here in a little bit. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is you don't.
The views expressed here are the personal views of our hosts and our guests and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. And here's the financial disclaimer. Here we go. The views expressed by the host and the guest are for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objective, financial situation, or needs of an individual investor. Neither Financial Cop, IFP Advisors LLC, IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for their particular circumstances. Investment advice offered through IFP Advisors Advisors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP is not affiliated with Serve and Protect Financial Texas and Financial Cop. Whew. Thanks for listening today. And as always, pray for peace in our city.